Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. All right, we're back with the death lineup, talking about the Warriors beating the Celtics, whether or not that rejuvenates the team, talk about some of these young players who are playing pretty well. And we got to talk about that Steph Goat conversation that Shaq brought up. Kenny immediate was like, no. (laughs) And Shaq was like, why not? And Kenny is a point guard. He's a little point guard, not sticking up. For the little point guards, I was very disappointed. In, in I feel like it is the little point guards who usually don't end up sticking up for Steph anyway. Like, I if you ask Isaiah Thomas right now who the greatest point guard of all time is, like, he's probably gonna say himself or Magic, like, he's not gonna say Steph, but he's a little point guard himself, exactly. That's my point. I think the little point guards are the ones who have the biggest vendetta against Steph than any other because they're you know, they were back in the day, like, drive, drive, mid range, Tim Hardaway. You know, I watched some of those clips and and he's really he that guy could have played in the modern day but he's not really like three-point oriented like Steph really just changed the game extended the game out and I think I think there's a jealousy there um that I don't know if they'll they'll I mean it was quite apparent when he was coming up but now that he's like completely established and you can't dispute the fact that he isn't at least top 10 and in some people's eyes like top 12 top 15 mm-hmm. but I still think some of those point guards have this like weird you know we can't admit it you know we're bigger and stronger why is he better yeah, this it is uh, that if you look at the list, and we'll, we'll save that for the end of the conversation. There are many arguable players who are high on that list. When you look at what Steph has done, not only championships but numbers, like you said, changing the game. It, it, it was not a stupid point by Shaq, but like you said, people are not going to give Steph credit because he's not six nine and you know, running through guys and, and uh, like, it's just, it's just a different NBA than what they are used to thinking is, is great, which, you know, it's, it is kind of weird. And I do wonder if we have this conversation in 20 years and the league gets smaller, not necessarily shorter, but even like, look to two of the tallest players who are actually playing quality basketball, Wembenyama and Chet, they're skinny. Like they're not, they don't look like David Robinson or, or Shaq. The game is, you know, the, the actual game is, is, is way different. So, but let's first talk about this win against Celtics. Do you think that this is going to change them in any way for the better? Do you think this gets them out of their rut? Do you think this inspires them to start playing better basketball, beating the best team? in the league record wise, and also a team that desperately wants to beat you because you beat them in the finals a couple years ago. Does this change the season in any way? I think it does. Um, how much does it like ignite them to say that, Hey, we, we could do this. We just did it against them. That is to be seen, but I definitely think it does more harm than good beating the Boston Celtics in the fashion that they did too. Um, so, I mean, maybe it, you know, ignites some of the guys who 
I don't think Steph, Cl- Steph and Clay personally need like this type of reminder that we're still, you know, we, we still got it like that. But maybe, you know, the Kamingas and, and the Pajemskis and the Trace Jackson Davises need that type of like fuel to to show them like, hey, we could actually compete out here. Um, so, I mean, that game was like that game to me, like watching Steph and Clay trade tough three pointer after tough three pointer down the stretch in the fourth quarter and then bleeding into overtime was literally just like watching 2016. Like mm-hmm. I can't like that. That was probably the last time we saw them two carrying us to a victory because, you know, past then you have KD and then Clay goes down. So we haven't really had and then, you know, Clay hasn't you haven't really seen those type of Clay shots in a while. So that just I was just watching that and just like I just remember how I was acting as like a kid, like jumping out of my seat, you know, <laughs> not sitting down in the ch- in, in, my, in the couch watching these games because you just know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I mean, that was an insanely fun game. I think one of my top favorite plays, too, I think it was overtime or again, late in the fourth. No, I would think it was overtime. Clay, I think Clay already took a questionable shot and missed it. And he, he was he driving some to the questionable hoop. ones after he hit the big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he's driving and you just like, you know, Clay from 2021 to yesterday or to, to, to three days ago would have just taken this like kind of questionable floater or done the, you know, uh, fade away in mid range that you just like don't really believe in. No, mm-hmm. he kicks it on a pick and roll to Trace yeah. Jackson Davis, who got the flush. And that was just like, I think that's all I needed to. That, that was one of my favorite plays of the game. There's like, you know, a few of them traces block that clay pass. And there was even one on defense that I know I tweeted out recently that I'm used to watching Warriors basketball where they take advantage of defensive matchups defensively. Like, like if clay, if they're, if they're trying to switch Steph onto the lead ball handler, mm-hmm. like the, the point of attack guy used, you know, especially against that Maverick series. I remember one thing that, I, that, that reminded me of that Maverick series was, or one thing that stuck out to me was that they, Luca was just trying to get Steph on him every single possession. But what they do is Steph would hang on for like 0.5 seconds until Wiggs could catch up and get Luca. Then Steph would sprint back to guard Hardaway Jr. Or something mm-hmm. like that. We haven't seen that lately. We've seen Kaminga not fight over screen so that Steph gets stuck on the guy, or we've seen, Wigs not fight over screens, or we've seen even an, as easy as CP3 gets switched onto a big and Sharich is right next to him, and they're not just quickly switching and like yo 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 like let's just really quickly switch so you're not stuck on a big. Last mm-hmm. night we find I, I finally saw them starting to, and you know they were targeting Steph late there with with five fouls, but I saw Kaminga fight over a few screens to try and make sure Steph wasn't stuck on the point of attack guy because they were hunting him. And I mean, the only one that I can remember, like point out like specifically and probably find like the clip for it, they actually Derek White made a three pointer out of it. But I think that was just refreshing to see because with Draymond not on the court, you're not seeing those smart quarterback defensive adjustments like, hey, you know, you need to make sure to switch here. You need to make sure to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that was like defensively. Maybe there's some light as well as, as, as we've seen offensively, especially I mean, the, the emergence of trace like that should be the next topic. Yeah, we'll talk about that because it is very important uh, to this conversation being that they don't have bigs that can match up in, in, in a very athletic way. So before we get to the trace thing, you said something very interesting, which was you thought it could be bad for Steph and Clay to take over that game. What do you mean exactly by that? I didn't I didn't did I say that? Did I say I, th- I thought it would be bad? You said you thought it might not be the best for them and I thought you were saying because Clay is going to think that he's Clay of 
2016. Uh, no, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant was that I don't think Steph and Clay needed this type of win to show them that they could still compete. I think it was more of the younger players that got it. You know, got it. Because that was the original question. Like, does this win against Boston, the best team in the league, you know, possibly the second best team last year? Does this win like, you know, give them a little more more fuel to the fire that that a little wake up call or even just like a little, you know, something. I, I don't think it does it as much for Steph and Clay. I think it does it more for the rookies. So do the you, younger guys, do you think the rookies or the younger players? Well, you know, Kaming and Moody have actually seen this team play at the highest. Yeah, but they've never really contributed to it. So, uh, but Pajemski, TJD, guys like that. Even like CP on the new team, maybe just guys who aren't familiar with with how Stephen Clay, and CP's been on the opposing end of it, but just like having him on our team, just the guys who have never really like been on the court while it's happening for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so beating Boston... It didn't really seem like it changed the national, the national conversation about the Warriors. It was like, oh yeah, you know they got hot and 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 whatever. But when it comes to matching up with some of these teams down the line, I feel like that was like a Steph thing saying, "Hey, like you know, yeah, we're struggling, but don't forget." Like that's what that game meant to me was, you know, because let's let's look and and I don't know if Boston was a little too proud in the way that they defended him, but you go back to some of the games in which he played poorly, this dude is getting like triple teamed and he's getting trapped like in moments where you don't even really need to do that yet. And Boston kind of played him like they played him in the 22 finals. I thought it was so weird. Or even last year. Remember, we were making fun of Sam Hauser trying to guard Steph last year. And I was just like, okay, what are they going to do different? We know what he can do against Sam Hauser. We know what he can do against Al Horford. What are they going to do to change this thing up defensively? And they played him exactly the same as they always play him. So I wasn't surprised to see him go off. But I guess my, my question is, from the national perspective, do you think, like, say, Denver, they play Denver on Christmas. Do you think Denver sees this game and goes, okay, he can do that in our house if we let him, and we're going to defend them a little bit differently than Boston did? I don't know. I don't think Denver takes us lightly. I think all of I think they've always prepared accordingly. Like they don't they don't see us as like, oh, they're struggling. Let's you know, this will be easy. No, I think they know, especially after beating them in the playoffs. So no, I don't think this win against Boston changes much to Denver's approach. If we beat Denver, though, I mean, there's the national like, hey, are the Warriors contenders conversation? Mm-hmm. Because we yeah. have Washington and then uh, Portland again. I think if you win both of those, you're what, five straight? You're winning five straight. I don't know how much that changes the discourse because the only quality team you beat in that stretch was potentially Brooklyn, but for sure Boston. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about these younger players. These guys, Kaminga, I think Kaminga and Jackson Davis, they got the minutes in order to show what they could do in those moments. 
Wiggins, Steve Kerr left Wiggins on the bench in the fourth quarter. Almost like uh, was it was like 15 minutes straight or something like that. If you take the overtime and the, the end of the uh, fourth quarter, but also um, no Sarich, right? Uh, so it's, it's CP, it's Steph, it's Kaminga, it's Jackson and it's clay. And I do wonder if Pajemski didn't get hurt. I do wonder if that would have changed the, the lineup in any way, but that was, I think that was a shot in the arm more so for Kaminga than Jackson Davis, because I don't know if you uh, read Marcus Thompson's story on Pajemski, but Jonathan Kaminga was quoted several times in that story, sort of saying like, "I he deserves to be out there. Like, you know, he needs the minutes. Like, it's crazy that he's getting this time, but he deserves it. Like, I, I was almost wondering if Kaminga was like, man, if I just got those minutes, you know, as a young player that he's getting, but at the same time, there is a different energy that Pajemski brings, which we saw Kaminga bring in, in that game, literally just energy and rebounding and running the floor and active on defense. Yeah. That the, uh, the Tatum play right at the end, you saw Steph kind of give him the big, you know, that's what I'm talking about after he stops Tate. What the heck is Tatum doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? This is the guy. He hasn't changed. Remember, we had that podcast like of, of I think it was either during the finals or after the finals of like, hey, what do these guys need to change? Yeah. Tatum has not changed one bit in terms of the physicality, like avoiding physicality by not going to the rim and just settling for threes. Like it was a yeah. tie game. Why go for a three? Like he intentionally stepped back for three. You could take a mid range. You could. Was, that's that's a that's a questionable one. Yeah, I didn't I didn't understand it. I not that I, you know, not that I was frustrated or anything. Like I was kind of happy that he took that shot. That's the shot that so I happy. wanted him to take, right? Cuz there's no pressure on the defense. It's like, "Oh yeah, he makes that shot great. That's, you know, it's a deep shot. He's kind of going for the glory a little bit there. But the hard shot is to actually put pressure on Kaminga, make Kaminga go backwards a little bit and then and maybe know, even draw out. Like that's yeah, the draw out, crossover, get you know, get to 15 feet and then pull up. So I, I mean, I was, I was happy with that, but um, let's talk about uh, Jackson Davis, because the, the reason why I said it's more sort of important to Kaminga is because he's had these struggles on the opposite side of where he gets pulled out. Like there was a game not too long ago where I, I, I this, was this the Portland? I can't actually remember. It might've been the Brooklyn game where he only played like 10 seconds in the fourth quarter and they they immediately substituted him back out. And I was like, oh, this poor guy. But so Kaminga, obviously, he's dealt with this. But I think for Jackson Davis, he's like, ah, like, I don't have any reference point about what this even means. But man, like this dude is 6'9", playing like he's, uh, you know, it's two like inches taller because he can he can jump and he can move and he can pass. And if he had a little bit of a baby jumper, like maybe Pajemski's to teach him that little that little lefty baby hook, maybe that will will be a go to for him. But mm-hmm. if he had like a little fifteen foot jumper, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure he doesn't get twenty five minutes every game. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's. I mean, I, I think it's. 
I think it's Dunleavy sitting back and watching Bob and, and Lakeup discuss over trying to hit a home run in the draft by going young and by going potential with Wiseman, Kaminga, and uh, Moody. And then it's just what sucks is that I said this on draft night. I said that, okay, so they just drafted Dante DiVincenzo's replacement. Bad yeah. defensive, worse defensively, but like same shooter, same level shooter. And then also the same level rebounder. And then it was like, then I had to be reminded that I was like, oh, wait, Steve Kerr doesn't play rookies. So I just completely <laughs> nixed that take. That's never going to happen. And look at he's the starting lineup now. It's essentially that take yeah. times 100. But I do think there is something there with the what I said that night was like, if you want to continue the Bob Myers, Joe Lacob draft strategy, then you would have drafted Cam Whitmore, who honestly looks great in the G League right now. He's the he's like the home run pick, big potential. But I think it's this different draft strategy where it's like, hey, we we we're not doing this two timeline thing really. Like we need guys who can help right now. And Pajenski brings that plus a little up for sure. Potential that guy can get better, but trace as well. What was he three or four year player out of Indiana? Um, I mean, yeah, I think, I think for him though, like, I mean, I've floated in my head, like, all right, Loon, I love you, but is, is there some trace Jackson Davis starting buzz, but mm-hmm. just seeing like, I think there was a possession where I think Drew Holiday had it on the right corner and Trace was on him. And I was like, oh, God. Like, you just don't feel comfortable with him, like, kind of getting switched out on the guards yet as you do with, like, Loon. You know, even though, like, the guard still might score, Loon doesn't look as uncomfortable in that position as Trace does. But, you know, Trace brings all of that athletic big stuff that, quite frankly, like, you think you think from the fan perspective and everyone's just like, this is what we need. This is what we need. And then, you know, the Warriors end up doing the Warriors thing and it ends up working without that. And they're like, you know, look, like we do this. You guys don't know what you're talking about. It seemed like the fans knew what they were talking about here with just mm-hmm. get one big guy who's athletic. And that's a game changer. Trace to me didn't do anything spectacular out of the ordinary besides that Jalen Brown block. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he was just rim running, run to the hoop at the right time, get the lob. And uh, I mean, that, that's really it's really seems like what, what this team has been needing. And, and you know, reports said they went after McGee in the offseason. But yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll, we'll 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 continue to see how this plays out. I mean, I even have the uh, the lineup stats here. If I filter by plus minus. So what I did is very specific stat range just to get exactly what I want. But I, I filtered by the Golden State Warriors and I filtered by totals. So we're not going to see a per game thing. We're seeing totals here. And I'm looking at lineups. Mm-hmm. And the last little filter I did is I only want to see the stats since they put Pajemski in the starting lineup, which mm-hmm. was the Clippers game. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what Clippers, who was after the Clippers? Was it Portland or was it Brooklyn? Brooklyn, I think. Okay. And then I'll essentially, look it up. I'll look it up. Actually, you know what? I have it. It was Clippers to Portland. No, no, no. It was Clippers to Brooklyn to Portland to Boston. So it's these mm-hmm. last four games is, yep. is the stats I have for this. And if I filter by plus minus, Trace Jackson Davis himself appears. Um, This lineup, it's, it's it's the Chris Paul, Curry, Clay, Kaminga, Trace Jackson Davis. So the closing lineup from last from two nights ago um, that ended up. Uh, going into OT as well. They already have logged 13 minutes together. They're a plus 14. And then the lineup with the most um, plus minus is same lineup. Chris Paul, Steph, Clay, Kaminga, but Looney instead of Trace Jackson Davis. Mm. This actually has played four games together, 18 combined minutes. They are a plus 18. 
And I went to go find our starting lineup. I was like, where the hell is our starting lineup? <laughs> Played 40 minutes together. Steph, Clay, Pajemski, Kaminga, Looney. They're a minus eight. Ooh. Which is, you know, a little, a little interesting. But so they're starting off first quarters until that first substitution. Where and, Chris and Paul so they're, they're, Yeah, they're, they're losing. Um, they're, they're, they're losing those, those minutes. Yeah. And then the second most played lineup by minute since that again very specific stat range but i just wanted to find it since we switched up the starting lineup it was it's chris paul b pods wigs moody sharich they're plus 10 the second most played lineup since that um but i think i'm just i think i was interested to see because i haven't recorded on this podcast in a minute and i've made you know tons of different takes and then since i've been gone like not on this podcast i've had so many different differing opinions on what uh on what the move was here and i know i texted you and ben i was like let's lean into more of like a king's pacers just go all offense while we're missing i think, I think you jinxed the pacers with that comment by the way yeah they've sucked since the in-season tournament same with the lakers i don't think the lakers have won a damn game since the tournament the kings are playing pretty well though the kings are playing pretty well but um uh yeah, just like, you know, we're missing Draymond and GP2, who are our two best defenders. Let's lean into more of an offensive short-term approach. And and we haven't necessarily totally done that. Like, I don't think that's been Steve Kerr's total intention. I think it's more so like we're just kind of defensively limited. But I think the clear, again, didn't say this on the podcast. If, if people were to go back to the last episode, I prob- or the one I was on, I'm probably asking for Clay to be traded. But about a couple games before the Clippers, <laughs> a couple days before the Clippers game, I had this just change of mind where it's like, I think it was the OKC game that they lost in overtime that Chet hit those free throws. They go to overtime. If you look at the only reason we're in that damn game, it's because of Klay Thompson hitting tough jumpers. So it's like this guy Mm -hmm. needs to be a part of, you know, any type of success because he's so pivotal. The ability to score like he does, like we just don't have really anyone on our team that can do that on any given night. And so I think it was trying to find a way to optimize Klay. And, you know, I think plus minus had said throughout the year so far that it's not necessarily like, He's like just taking really tough shots and he's doing it to himself, but also the defense isn't really giving him much. And there was that debate on Twitter where like, wait, no, two don't get sent out on Clay. Like when Clay does a pick and roll, it's not like they shoot the, the, the screen like they do with Curry. It's like, no, they do actually, because he's so such a threat from outside. And so I think the starting lineup change with putting B pods in, the point to me is to put someone in there who can dribble, pass, and shoot. It's the way that the NBA, it's the direction that the NBA is going. You look at OKC. I don't think they have anyone in that starting lineup who can't dribble, pass, and shoot. Whenever they get the ball at any given time, J-Dub, SGA, Giddy, um, Chet, and Lou Dort can get the ball at the perimeter. Either they shoot the shot, or they pass the ball, or they drive. They could do any three of those options. On the Warriors, it gets a little limited. Loon can't do a damn thing when he gets the ball in the perimeter. Like you, he can't. He's not going to dribble. He's not going to pass. He's oh, he's going to pass. He's not going to shoot. Um, with clay, he, he, he can, he can potentially dribble kind of pass kind of shoot Steph. He could do all three. And that's where you start going down the line with like wigs being in that starting lineup. It's like, okay, current day wigs. Who's having a really hard time. Like there's only a, he's pretty limited right now. He can only do so many things. He can kind of pass it. Can't really shoot it. Not really trusting his handle. So I think that the insertion of Brandon Pajemski in that lineup is you identify who on your team is capable of dribble passing and shoot because if you're able to do all three that just opens up things for the rest of the offense there's three guys on our team that can do that at the moment and they're all small it's steph pods and cp3 
And to me, pods just made more sense because pods is faster. Like he can just, he can speed up and off and CP is just naturally going to slow things down. I think having pods in the starting lineup makes a little more sense to just kind of keep the, keep the high, uh, high pace up. Um, CP shoots that flat tire jumper very early in the game where he's just short, 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 short. I'm like, dude, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta put something into these jumpers, man. Um, I want to do a little exercise. And so I think obviously uh, Trace, he is going to match up against certain teams better than others. And Loon is going to match up against certain teams better than others. So I just want to take the top eight as it currently stands. The Warriors are actually 11th right now in the West. The top eight, and let's try and figure out who is actually the better starting center against these teams. Because you could theoretically do that with with the lineup. Is Kerr has shown in, in uh, that he's un, he is willing to move Loon in and out of that starting lineup if necessary. Mm. Timberwolves, Loon's probably got to start that game. Yeah. Thunder. I would think the other the other thing. I would go. I would, I would, I would go, go Trace. Trace. I would go. We play the Thunder again. No, no, I'm just looking at oh. the top eight teams. I okay, think we're okay. done. I, th- I hope we're we done with better that. Be Those games are fun, but man. Uh, Nuggets, probably a mm. loon to start. Yeah. And at some point, then that becomes a Draymond. Uh, and, and Jackson Davis is probably not playing unless Jokic is out, I'm assuming. Unless yeah. they want to get him in pick and roll and have jackson just beat him to the cup i mean there could be something like that but probably not uh the clippers who do you know the clippers have won nine games in a row i do know that they've been awesome nuts so do you play loon or do you play trace here against zubat zubats you play loon to me the trend sounds like the trend sounds like against the slow european centers you play loon if you have to play (laughs) against the the centers who could stretch out from the perimeter like you know al horford can shoot a three chris Stapps can shoot a three i think there was a couple i think it was like jabari walker on the portland trailblazers that could shoot a three like put trace in make them run Mm -hmm. but other than that it sounds like a loon kind of is the rudy gobert european center play play loon um what about sabonis Loon, 100%. That's the only one you could for sure say Loon, 1,000% should be playing against Sabonis. What about the Mavs? I don't even know who the Mavs starting center is. Lively. So you can argue Trace, but I mean, I think Lively is just a better Trace. Yeah. Yeah. It would be good, though, for the athleticism because Lively's going to keep balls alive. I almost think I'd almost say Sharich. <laughs> <laughs> Just to stretch him out. out. Yeah, stretch on the perimeter. Stretch him out. Uh, and what about the Pelicans? Valanchunas, probably Loon. Yeah, I think so too. And then the Lakers, probably Looney as well. I don't well. know. I'd ho- I just hope Draymond's back and just goes five. Goes yeah, you. I think you'd have to play all three of them, actually, depending on the matchup. Be- in, I mean, in- yeah, I'd start with Sharich, if anything. I just... Get AD out of the paint. That's the only chance you have to beat the Lakers, especially the Jamichael Green game two, was it? <laughs> was it the Jamichael Green game two? Put him in left corner, make AD guard him, and just bang. Yeah, yeah no, just, for sure. Just getting uh, AD out. And, yeah, I didn't even mention Sharich because he is 
so poor. I mean, he's gotten his starts though. Like he started against the Clippers as a as an adjustment. It wasn't necess- it wasn't like a permanent thing. It was you know let's let's stretch these guys out. And he started against I want to say it was game one or game two of the Clippers. I forget which one it was. He shoots like a small forward, and he plays center like he's a small forward defensively. Like he's yeah. just. He's just really bad there. And and I'm not saying that Trace is, is great there, but just the athleticism alone, if he does make mistakes, he can actually catch up to them. But I, yeah. I do love Sharch coming off the bench because I don't know if teams have not figured it out, but he is in there to shoot three-pointers. And they <laughs> yeah. they don't figure that out until the second half for some reason after he's already got like three, three of them. And then we keep him on the bench. Yeah. Yep. All right. So what do you think about Moody right now because Moody out of all the four Kaminga Moody Jackson Davis and pods he's kind of on the, the he's kind of the fourth guy as far as maybe the impact and and it's almost he's almost too consistently Moses Moody I think to, to for fans to be excited about what he's doing I like it when he gets in mm-hmm. but he doesn't really get that run like Kaminga and Pods and even uh, uh, Trace in, in in the Boston game. Yeah. Um, I mean, what's what's new with the Moses Moody story? He's just always on kind of like just barely the outskirts. I know that. I wonder during, if he's going to get traded. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say he's untouchable whatsoever. I think Kaminga's, you know. It's it's crazy sometimes how the NBA is when Moody has those three game stretch. You're like, oh my god, Moody's more valuable than Kaminga now, and then it feels like we're kind of back at the okay, yeah, Kaminga was the more valuable one. But um, I mean, against the Celtics, I know there was a spot where Moody hit a three, and then you see CP, I think, go to the scores table, and you're like, surely they're not taking out Moses, right? Like, <laughs> like are you about to get Sacramento flashbacks? And I, I thought they were going to go small and take out, and uh, maybe it was Loon at the time, or I don't know if it was Trace, but no, they pulled Moody, and he just seems like. Maybe like it just seems like he's a little just not good enough at some things to justify keeping him on the court. He's just not that good enough of like a shooter. Like he was project, he was um, supposed to be like this three and D guy coming out of mm-hmm. college, right? And I still feel like his jumper is not exactly like you know clear cut. Would trust him to shoot something in rhythm, and then you talk. I like about him in the, the corner. Yeah, yeah, I like him in the court, but he's not really like a catch and shoot. Like even to this day, he still needs to like do a jab step to like get into yeah. his get into rhythm. And I yeah, I just I don't know. Defensively, he's fun. Energy wise, like top tier on the team of just diving for loose balls, being the hustle guy. Like him and Pods, it's just a fun thing to watch, and both of them are doing it at the same time. But mm-hmm. I think it's probably the right thing to have him fourth on the pecking order in terms of those young players right now with Pods, TJD, Kaminga, and Moody. Makes sense positionally too. Um, but it's gonna no, I mean, he needs to be in when, the rotation. It's going to suck for him when Gary comes back too. Yeah. But it's not going to suck for him when it's the third, second round of the playoffs and <laughs> he suddenly becomes the fourth best player. But you know, what else sucks for him is if Wiggins starts to play better. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe there is some type of, uh, move coming with, with him. Because I mean, if you ask me the one thing that we need what I what did I just say with the dribble pass shoot guys? The only guys that on our team that could do that are below six three, so or are shorter than six three or six three or shorter. So finding a, a wing that could potentially do that would probably change this team's trajectory. Um yeah. Yeah, I think Pods has moved past him. So he's got, you know, he's got 
a bunch of people in front of him now that maybe weren't in front of him uh, at the start of the season. Okay, let's talk about this Steph Goat conversation. So I pulled up the list that The Athletic did last year for the uh, NBA 75. And I think after the top three, maybe the top four, I think there's an argument for Steph to be in the mix. So I want to go through who they had. They had obviously Jordan at number one. I, I don't I don't think Steph is are even arguably ahead of MJ. They have LeBron at number two. Steph is probably below LeBron at this point, unless he gets another ring and LeBron doesn't, then I think it's arguable that he could move ahead of LeBron. Kareem is just, I think his, I think his counting stats are just way out there. And he played in an era, uh, you know, where being on the Lakers and such, and even before that, you know, there was just, he was just such a, an icon even before he stepped on the NBA court. Like I, I don't see, I, I almost feel like people think he's underrated now, even though athletic has him in the top three. So after that top three, I kind of thought Steph kind of fits in this next range. So I wanted to get your thoughts on, would you put Steph in front of don't say Kobe, Mr. Russell. Oh, Bill. Yeah, I think I would. I think if we're already downgrading his 10 titles with, the, with him not being in the top three, he can, he can go another spot down. Um, I think the era thing is just really tough, man. Like you, you just can't compare eras and 10 championships this today would surely put you number one. But mm-hmm. feels like, you know, there was maybe some that Celtics team was just stacked, right? That he was yeah. on. So I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a conversation that needs to be had with like Kareem and and Magic too, right? Where like they were able to snag like what was it five titles together? Was it four or something or three? Like, imagine if Steph got to play with a top five player in the league. Oh wait, he did. Oh wait, how many titles did they win in three years? Oh wait, they won two. Like, like you know, if Steph had a Kareem and he did for three years, we might he might have six right now. He might mm-hmm. have seven. So I don't know. I feel like I kind of like. You know, the whole Magic and Kareem thing, I, I think that kind of gets left out of discussion a little bit because it surely doesn't get left out of discussion these days, right? With how this, the stacking teams, you know, 2017 through 19 will never be forgotten. LeBron's oh. Miami Heatles will never be forgotten. You know, like, and, and but it doesn't seem to be like that, you know. In, in oh, believe era. me, when Laker fans start to talk, I go remind them of in Magic's second year where he was already asking for a trade. Mm. I remind them of that. I also remind them of the 84 finals when he made a couple of mistakes and he was nicknamed Tragic Johnson. That's good. I remind Laker fans that they, they seem to have short memories about that stuff. Okay, speaking of, uh, of, of Magic, he is at number five. Uh, I think the thing that hurts Magic is the longevity of his career, obviously, which is... How, how much, okay, so how long was he in his prime, would you say? Because Steph's been like... Okay, would you say... When was Steph's first All-Star appearance? Was it 2014 or 2013? Because if it's 2013, I then we're, we're a decade in. I think it's... We're a decade in of, like, prime Steph. So Magic basically 
as a rookie was in his prime. That's how good he was. So from his rookie season uh, all the way through, he retired. And he was in his prime. So from well, 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 how long was the gap? I always forget. Twelve years, twelve seasons. But what and was then, the gap when he wasn't playing? Well, he did. Yeah, he. Uh, I think it was. What was it? Eighty to ninety-one, and then he played in the Olympics in ninety-two. Played in the All-Star Game in ninety-two. Tried to come back in ninety-four, ninety-five, maybe ninety-five. And played a little bit through the playoffs, I believe. And then so I, then his career was essentially already over by the time he wasn't able to play. No, I think he. I think if he did not get HIV, he would have been able to play through the 90s. late later nineties. No, oh, wow. he would have been able to play through ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven. Then, then at that point, he he's going to be a little older. But he ch- he changed his game to be a little bit more of like a point power forward because he was yeah. just much bigger. But uh but yeah, I mean the the what what you have is if you want to say if magic doesn't attract HIV, he plays 15 years. Then yeah, like magic yeah, yeah. Might, be, you might not he might be touch him. He might number be number two easy. Yeah, number one, be number two player. So <laughs> uh but I but I think because of where Steph is today and you could say well magic changed the game because he was a big point guard. And you can also say Steph changed the game because of the shooting. So I think that is very comparable. He is he is arguable on that list with Magic. The one that's really hard is Wilt, who is number six on this list, just because it's such a different universe in which he played and a, him as a center and him losing, you know, losing to Bill Russell, but constantly being in the mix there and just falling short. Uh, Wilt is a hard one. I, I wouldn't even know what to say because I don't even know how to rank him against his. Uh, I feel like I'll just get mad watching that type of basketball back then. Well, it's just it's just different. I'll just get like upset. Like, I mean, it's very similar <laughs> to. Uh, so so the good thing about that style of basketball is the pace is very predictable and very slow. So every single possession like really does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just playoff basketball. Yeah, it's so. just intensity. You know the intensity, but at the same time, you know whenever the game got too slow, the NBA would change the rules to make it faster. So you know they definitely know what they wanted. Okay, here's where I think we can say yes, and I say this as someone who has watched almost all of uh, Larry Bird's greatness, and I would say I am a fan uh, of Larry, but I do think when it comes to the end of Steph's career, he is going to be higher than Larry Bird on this list. And if you think about it, the things that a lot of the fans today don't like about Steph, they also did not like about Larry 30 years ago. Shooting, he's he's not in the air, you know, he's making plays that uh, you know, are are sort of really smart but maybe get a little bit too much credit for for stuff like that because he's smaller or because in Larry's situation, he was Caucasian. But I, I think I'm comfortable with saying Steph career by career is, is head of Larry Bird. I think Steph's ceiling is third of all time. I mean, Behind. hell, if, if the guy wins four straight rings, then yeah, like he's number one. But I think realistically... I think it's number three 
behind LeBron is probably his ceiling on where most people will f- settle the debate on. And then the last three guys, Shaq, and Shaq himself said that he would put Steph above him. Shaq puts Shaq is the most like selfless old retired guy <laughs> yeah. of all time. I think he has Angel Reese above him as like an LSU <laughs> player. And Angel's like doesn't even doesn't, I think she just came back actually, but yeah, no, I mean he's doing it for the sake of the argument. You deep yeah. down, he probably feels like he is. Well, what do you feel about what well, you watched? You watched all of Kobe. Like, yeah, you watched all of Kobe. So like, what? Why is there like a? Why is he not certified? You know, top three with what five rings? I guess you know three with Shaq. So I guess he wasn't even like the best player on two or three of them. But um, you know, he got those two after. He gets the blame for blowing that thing up. You you talked about the magic and and Kareem thing. They had it, and and he's the one who ruined it because he traded him because he was mad that Shaq was not taking his offseason seriously, or mad that Shaq got him in trouble with the with the allegations. And no, he got Shaq being... in trouble with the allegations. Oh, oh. So now Kobe is a young guy, and and this this is you know especially with today's society where we really pay attention to this kind of stuff. The fact that Kobe had a trial for essentially rape and it was in during the during the uh the playoffs and like people just seem to forget about that part of his career. Now that has nothing to do with him playing basketball, right? That has everything to do with who he is as a human. Yeah. But all of a sudden, people just forget about that stuff. And like, if you read through a lot of the information, the police report and all that stuff, it's not not good for him. Mm-hmm. But fans have deified him in a way where people overlook that, where they would not overlook that for other athletes. Some of it has to do with him being a girl dad and and all that in in his and past because he died. Like, well, it was even it was start. It was even before then, though, that he was, you know, this guy who was just like the ultimate competitor, and you know, everybody looked up to him and this and that. And I just always like thought it was so. And I'm not. I, I don't want to make uh, ill claims of the dead, but again, if you go back and you read through that trial stuff, that there's there's a reason he settled, and mm-hmm. uh, you know. And at the same time, this woman's life was pretty much ruined uh, during this whole thing because yeah. of his fame. So that that aside, I just don't understand why he's given the benefit of the doubt when other folks will never be given the benefit of the doubt. Like, let's just not give anybody the benefit of the doubt on that stuff. So as a player, I think there's a selfishness to his game that all of a sudden he reshaped the narrative as to being the ultimate winner, it went from he's selfish and he's driving people out of town and he's hard on his teammates to, Oh, it's just because he wants to win more than everybody else. I never bought that, but again, Mm -hmm. I'm not a Laker fan. So if you're a Laker fan, you can buy that narrative. uh, But you can also look at the end of his career and post that second uh, straight title when they beat the magic uh, you know, what was that 2011 or 2010? Um, you know, the rest of his career was just numbers and that was about it. So yeah. I, I don't, I probably have him 
a little bit lower on my list, but it's also because I didn't like him as a player. I still don't really like his his persona that that the NBA has propped up because I think a lot of it is just as fake as some of the other stuff that you know LeBron creates for himself. Like Kobe was also doing the same thing. But again, I don't like the Lakers, so I never liked him as a player. <laughs> and so there's a bias in that, in just being a Warriors fan. Like, you know, when when the Warriors overtook the Lakers as the the California franchise, like I was like, good, because Kobe's selfish and yells at his teammates. And I'm not sure how that makes him this ultimate winner when he's not winning and he's still doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my take. And I would have Steph above Kobe for sure. All right, yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to the game tomorrow, later today, for some people listening on the audio feed. And we are going to see the return of Jordan Poole. What are you expecting? Uh, I hope he goes off, to be honest. Like, I, I really do. I really hope he has like a 40 bomb and we still win. No, I don't but, hope for a 40 bomb because if he has a 40 bomb, we may not win. But I hope he plays okay. I feel like Jordan Poole is the exact type of player who could score 60 and he'll still lose. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope he plays well. And I hope that, oh, we're going to be there to, to, to literally sit either standing O or, or standing O. Yeah, we'll still, or not. If, if he gets a we video or not. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, but I mean, Quite frankly, I haven't been watching that much Wizards basketball, but I do know that Tyus Jones is the one who's been kind of playing well here as opposed to as opposed to JP. And Tyus Jones has historically played well against the Warriors. Against the Warriors. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see with that. But I'm interested to see, you know, again, not really watching the Wizards so much. Their first round pick was Bailal Koulibaly, a kid from France who played with Wemby on the same team. He profiles as someone who would be like a good Steph defender, somewhat like a Mikel Bridges, like not offensively, but defensively really long athletic can move his feet. So profiles as someone who, who gives Steph problems. So we'll see if he gets the run uh, and an opportunity to guard Steph. Cause I think that would be, that would be also fun to watch, but yeah, I hope we whoop them. The Warriors really also have... struggle with Kuzma too. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so the big is going to be Gafford. So who's our starting. It's probably, I mean, you could go either way with with really with Gafford. I feel I, like. I would assume that Kerr it's probably makes Mooney. yeah Kerr makes Trace earn a starting position unless yeah, it's like yeah, super yeah. super strategic. But yeah, the Wizards they they've literally won four games all year long. They uh, away from Washington are two and fourteen. Got the Pistons are two and twenty five. Holy did God. they okay? Is that game over yet? Did they did they lose to the? to the utah that's like the biggest storyline of the night utah sat everyone really and the, and the pistons uh we're gonna try maybe break their little losing spell uh yeah um the jazz as we record this the jazz are up seven with just oh my under, god you're just kidding. under seven minutes left it, it's been kidding. it's been close but the jazz uh, the Jazz were up two at the end of the third, and now they're up seven with a half the half. How does Kelly Olynyk have twenty-two points? <laughs> former former Piston. Okay, do do the Warriors make a video for JP or not? They definitely should. He won a ring, I'm, and he was a focal I'm calling, point. Ring. I'm saying yes. I'm saying Jordan gets a video. Uh, Draymond's not even going to be there, so you don't have to worry about pissing off Draymond. And I think 
I think those I think those guys really want to embrace him. Uh, yeah. What I want to know, I think I, I think no way there isn't a video. I think in the content of that video, is there going to be a moment where Draymond and JP are like hugging or like dap each other up? Like, will they put <laughs> that type of footage in there? That's what I think I'm going to be looking for. Maybe they just have a random shot of Draymond yelling at somebody and they don't, they, they just pretend that he's yelling at Jordan. <laughs> Someone hacks it and they put a punch on the screen. <laughs> no, we don't need to see that TMZ video again. I don't ever want to see that TMZ video for my, the rest of my life. Yeah. So sad. Uh, all right. And then Christmas against Denver. That, that doesn't feel like a very fun game to me. Are they healthy? Are, is, are they all? Denver like, has not. Back. Denver has not been playing lights out. By the way, they haven't. They haven't. It's they. they I just feel like they're really not totally taking things seriously. Yeah, Denver. I mean, they're ni- they're, ni- like, they're nineteen and ten. They're yeah. I mean, what I predicted was championship hangover, and they wouldn't be like you know the undisputed best team in the league. But you know, they're having championship hangover and really still like playing solid. Um, yeah, they're great. They're great on the road, but they're only five hundred at home. Uh, they're great at home. They're only five hundred yeah. on the road. I mean, it looks All like right. everyone's healthy. So. All right, we'll be here hopefully next week. We'll figure it out. The holidays make it a little bit harder. But, um, yeah, we're going to be at the game Friday, so we'll have some first view or whatever you call it in the in the seats, checking out Warriors, checking out Jordan Poole, and uh, we'll be back hopefully next week to chat about that. Uh, follow us, uh, BSPN Media, on Twitter and BSPN underscore media on Instagram. We'll have some... Uh, some video of what what's happening at the game. If they have a little video for Jordan, well, I'll try and get that and put that up on uh, on the socials as well. All right, for Bry, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.